I'm going to start off with a passage that if you know me very well and have heard me talk very much, you've heard me uh, allude, if not quote this, it's in the Gospel of uh, Matthew. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on those two commands. I mean, that just says it all. Love God, honor people. Love people says it all. They're trying to trick Jesus up, the Pharisees and the scribes, this particular point in Scripture, trying to get him to say, what's most important? And he says, I'll tell you what's most important. God and others. So, and loving them. So, here's what happens. I'll ask the question, how does one go all in, so to speak, um, when it comes to living in community or living in, with these relationships? How does one go all in? And, and can Christ be honored in those relationships? You know, and obviously, I want to tell you, I want to try to answer both of those. The easy answer to the second one, of course, he can be. And I'm going to keep this real simple for you, all right? I thought of making it five things or seven things or ten things. I've got two things today, real simple. Because when we are all in, when, you know, using the analogy of poker, we put all, everything we got, all of our, our chips in the middle of the table. I've even seen a few guys in a few games I've been in. I don't play in high-stakes games. But when I see a $20 bill go down, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's getting crazy. And I know some of you do. more. I've seen some guys, because they had such a good hand, they put all their chips in the middle and they throw in a 20 you know, trying to get really the other guy to come in. The you know, other guys are going, all in. They're all putting it all on the line, baby. Put it all on the line. Um, we're taking that analogy to your faith and saying, you know, it's time to go all in. It's time for you to put it all on the line and say, Lord, I want all I am, all I have, all I ever am going to be, I want you to have it. I want to, you know, be used by you. So that's what we're talking about. And when we do that, with these relationships, two things happen, just two. I've got two simple points for you today. One is we reach out, and two is we build up. Reach out, build up. That's it. Let me talk about reach out first. By reach out, here's what I mean. I mean that, that we reach out to others, or others reach out to us, and we are a, we're a light. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He uses two metaphors here. One would be salt. Scholars disagree. It was the salt the fact that it, it, that it makes things, it makes, gives great flavor, even in that age? I'm a, I'm a big salt guy. I like salt. I, I think it's because the Bible tells us that it's salt. You know, I use this verse. And he says, that's too much salt. I said, no, I can't have too much salt. Read, uh, read Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Um, I, I'm a little facetious there, but uh, believe me, I try anything. Um, salt just, for me, makes things taste better, doesn't it? Put it on a nice piece of uh, steak and it tastes better. Put it on a nice pizza, it tastes better. Put it on a nice piece of watermelon, it tastes better. I'm serious. That's serious. Y'all try it sometime. It's really good. Anyway, um... Obviously, you have other things that you might do. But salt, generally, whether you use a little, whether you use a lot, generally, if you're fortunate enough to be able to use it, makes things taste better. gives it flavor, okay? That's the one side. Why would Jesus use this metaphor? Because we're to bring flavor, good flavor to life. 
The other thing, the other scholars say, well, at this age, this, this economy, this, 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 this time in history, salt was more of a preservative. We know about that, of course, and how they would, they would, they would salt their meat and so forth, and it would, it would keep it preserved. So some, some scholars say he's using salt. Jesus is using salt here to show us that we're to be the preservative in a world that's just going awry, in a world that's all screwed up, in a world that's just, just I mean, excuse the term, going to hell in a handbasket. In, a, in that kind of a world, somebody needs to stand up and, and, and preserve it and, and bring it back to, to morality and so forth. And, and that's what we as believers are supposed to do. I'll tell you what, I don't know which scholars are right, but I like both of them. I, I like both metaphors. I think that's exactly why Jesus uses this. He says, you're that way. You're to be salt wherever you are. You're to bring flavor. You're to be a preservative for what's good and to, and to fight against the decay of the world. That's what you are as a follower of Christ. That's who you are. That's what you are. Now, he goes on here and he uses more. He talks about light. You're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So he says, not only are you to be salt, but you're to be a light. And and that's easier to see, isn't it? In a dark world, in a world that's just, you know, messed up and broken, somebody's got to be the light. And he said, I want, Jesus is saying, I want my people, those who are followers of mine, I want them to be a light. I want them to be in that darkness. Somebody is still shining. And sometimes it may literally be only one person, but I want that person, somebody to be shining. And that's for you, you people who are followers of, of, of mine, Jesus is saying. Uh, Wordsworth, the, uh, the great poet, put it like this, the best portion of a good man's life is his little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and love. Sometimes these actions and this influence may not seem like it's being noticed. That's not why you do it. You do it because it's the right. You live a certain way because it's the right, right way to do that. So, so when, we, when, we, when we talk about that whole concept of, of reaching out, it has to do with being the salt, being this preservative, um, and, and, and people seeing that. How, how you, I mean, how you doing with that? Where you work? People walk by your workspace, whatever it is. Do they know that that guy, that lady in there, they, you know, if you ever need picked up, that, that, that person, they're like salt. They bring a lot of flavor, a lot of good stuff to life. They keep things from getting, they keep things from going into decay. They, keep, they can keep a conversation from going in the gutter. Or they, 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 they're a light in this company, in this business, whatever school, wherever I am, they're a light. And maybe, they, maybe they think that overtly. Maybe, they just, maybe it's just sort of in the back of their mind they think about that. But you see, that's what we're to be. How are you doing with that? Your neighborhood. That's what you're to be. People know that about you. You don't have to wear it on your sleeve. <laughs> it's like Wordsworth says. It's, it's the, the little nameless, unremembered acts of kindness that stand out. Pascal had a great, great thought on this. The strength of a man's virtue should not be measured by his special exertions, but by his spiritual acts. Excuse me, his habitual acts. I, I messed up. Not be measured by his special exertions, but by his habitual acts. The habitual actions of goodness, of love and grace, redemption. That's, that's how a man, that's how a woman's influence 
is going to influence people. So that's all about reaching out. You, as a follower of Christ, need to be a person who reaches out. And in some cases, people are reaching out to you as well. Works both ways. That's, that's the first thing. I honor God. I honor Christ. I honor my relationship with Christ is, 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 is deepened when I understand that part of my life is to be one where I am reaching out. Second part has to do with building up. Two key, two key phrases here. Building up. Let me show you this one. This is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another or provoke one another or spur one another to acts of love and good deeds. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. He's saying, especially now that we know the Lord's coming back, or He may be coming back, or I may go home, I may go meet the Lord. And that could happen any day for any one of us. I don't know if you think about that. I don't always think about that. I could, you know, I could, anything, I could, this could be our last day, you know. Live it. You know, we may, be, we may be with the Lord. We may be meeting the Lord, you know, any t- at any time. We don't think about that enough, I don't think. I mean, I know it's, sometimes, I'm not saying that to depression. I'm not saying that to, to say, that, you know, I mean, I hope you know where you're going. And I know where I'm going. I don't know that I want to be on the next load up, but I mean, I know where I'm going. You know, and, and, and that's the issue here that we have to stop and think through, all right? So he says, so just as the day, as that day draws near, you're nearer and nearer to that day because that's just how it works. So, but go back to this verse, verse 24, building up, think of ways to motivate. That word motivate is also provoke. It's also spur. And I get a lot of illustrations come to my mind with that. Provoke. You know what? I know, I've been, I'm, we're going to, we're, we're working on our anniversary coming up here in the fall. And Charlene and I uh, are celebrating our 40th in, uh, in October. And, um, we were like 12 when we got married. And um, one of those arranged marriages. I know exactly how to provoke her. I know exactly how to pull her chain. I know one or two words, boom. I can do that. Now, that's what the word means, provoke. But he says, learn how to provoke one another to do what's right. You see. So what we need to do in this relationship of ours with others is, is be able to know people well and say, to be able to say things that, that, that's going to help them, as he says here, toward acts of love and good works, not hurt them. The other word is, that's translated how there is spur. That's a great word, especially if you're an old cowboy like me. Um, wasn't really a cowboy. I had a horse when I was a kid, and, 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 but I thought I was a cowboy. And um, my dad would never let me. I had spurs one time. My dad would never let me use spurs. Because I would just, you know, I just always, you know, get him into the horse and just go as fast as they could all the time, you know. And uh, he says, no, you're not old enough to learn how to use spurs, you know. And I never, he, I, I was never, well, I was never old enough to use spurs. But, but it, would, it, would, it, would, it would provoke that animal to take off and go fast, you know. And we can argue whether that was humane or not and all the other kind of stuff. But the point is, that's the word, that, that's the other part of this word. So what we need to know is, is what we can do to really help people get jump-started sometimes, Got to spur them on, move them on. Whether that be my, my, my you know, wife or husband, whether that be my good friend, people I work with, people in my club, people I have influence with, neighborhood, people I hang out with, whatever. 
What, what spurs them on? So what happens so many times, even among people of faith, is they get together and they whine and they complain. You know, they complain about, oh, man, this stuff, man, doesn't do good for my sweater, you know, and, 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 and all the other kind of stuff instead of really, hey, what can we really do to kind of move each other forward here? That's what we need to do instead of sitting around having a gripe session, some, which so many times it happens. You know, we commiserate and it's kind of fun, but, but then you leave like, well, I was really kind of not very good. Building up, building up, thinking of ways to motivate, provoke, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Really, there's three ways that can happen. Real simple. I'm going to tell you this real quick. That happens with our words. Obviously, that's probably the most obvious way with words that we've said, and I've talked about that. Um, by the way, two proverbs I want to just throw on you real quick. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Think about your words. Later on in Proverbs, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. I like that. Your words are, folks, your words are important. And they can tear down and provoke to anger and, 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 and angst, or they can build up. And we need to think about that. We need to pray about that, too. So when we talk about building up, we're talking about our words. We're talking about our example. Verse that I quote all the time, 15, uh, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We need to tell our kids that. We need to tell ourselves that. Bad company corrupts good morals. We see it all the time, don't we? People hang out with certain people, and they end up imitating their ways, and usually it's uh, for the negative. Um, you know, we need people around us that we can learn from just how to live life. We need people around us who, who show us how to live this thing out. In a, in a, in a fruit, and, and you know what? They're never always going to... Here's the thing I like. It's always nice when you, when you, you... There's good examples, there's bad examples, right? And, and, and the thing is with this... I've, I've had been very fortunate to have some people in my life, and you, sometimes you even see them fail. And you know what? What's really, what's really good about that, if there's anything good about failure, what's really good about that is then if they have character, you can watch them recover. And that's, we all need that because we all fail at times. And it's important to have people in our lives who they have failed. But by God's grace, they've also recovered. That's called redemption. That's why Jesus came. For all of us. And it's great when you can see that in people's lives. Uh, because that's, <laughs> we can all relate to that. Some form or another. So, what are some of these ways that we're to build each other up? Words, uh, our example. Um, and you know, the thing is, we need, we need to have those examples. We need to be those examples as well. Third thing is just motivation. We need to be challenged. Um, that's going to look different ways. We, we do this thing... I was challenged recently. I don't know if it was a good way or a bad way. Um, we were, on Thursday evening, we we're doing this great book called Jesus. We just started it. There's some back there in the uh, resource center. It's a great book. And it's just, it thought it'd be a great time to study it during Lent and so forth. A uh, book on Jesus by Swindoll, and it's really sort of a harmony of the Gospels, if you will. And we have some great discussions as a result of that. But we always end up downstairs usually, and what happens is we get some nasty, ugly, wonderful thing, something to eat that's just, you know, like... Uh, Irish nachos, these fried chips with bacon bits and cheese and onion, just, just all kinds of, na- oh, just awful, but it's so good. 
And I think after two or three of those, after two or three of those one night a few weeks ago, somebody challenged, we need to do a half marathon. Well, I'm feeling pretty guilty about that time, you know, thinking, oh, yeah. So I got challenged to do a half marathon, and I didn't totally accept it, but I started training, and um, I had a little mess up, and now I've got a whole knee problem here. That's why I'm limping a little bit. Had to, I took some drugs yesterday that's supposed to help it and knock me out, so I'm not quite on my game today, just so you know. But, uh, but we were challenging each other, Okay. And, and there might have been some ego involved. There might have been some of that. There might have been some references to age. There might have been some of that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly. But, but more than that, we need to challenge one another in different ways. What are you reading? What movies have you gone to lately? What, what, what did you learn from that? I mean, and this is something that really, I mean, you know, these are some things we need to really motivate. We can motivate others. Hey, have you read such and such book? Well, let's read it and let's get together and talk about it. Um, and then, you know, say, well, shouldn't the church do that? Yeah, we should. We can't do enough of that. We're trying to do more, and we will. But I'm saying, you don't have to wait on that. Do it yourself. Just give it to the friend and say, hey, you hear that book about that such and such book? Let's read that. And hopefully it's going to have something to do with faith. And maybe it's going to, you can make it. Something to do with faith. I do. I'm in a history book group too, and and uh, it you know it's not always directly related to faith. But we always bring it back to somehow some person, something. They're going to a bunch of us all in their love history, and we talk about this and what about this guy and this guy and this lady and so forth. And um, it just it can be it can be a motivational thing. Certainly, certainly, it needs to include the Bible. Some of these challenges, but it can it can it can be other stuff. You need that in your life. You need to be challenged, and you need to challenge to motivate one another in that in that in that way. Uh, we need people to challenge us to raise our standard of living. We all need that at different times. English writer Thomas More said this, we need people in our lives with whom we can be as open as possible. To have real conversation with people may seem like such a simple, obvious suggestion, but it involves courage and risk. A- amen to that. It involves, it involves courage and risk. You're taking some chances. So, when we talk about building up, how do we do that? Words, our example, our motivation. Now, I've got to give you the hard part. Just won't take very long at all. Um, we, come, we come to faith. If you, if you, wherever, wherever you might be on this spectrum, uh, you come to faith. Some of you are still thinking about it, and that's great. We're glad you're here. Some of you are there. Um, and you've come to faith. You've come to understand Jesus came and, and lived and suffered and died and rose again, and, and he did that for me. And I, I've put my faith in him. I believe in Jesus. Um, and I'm going to live, I'm going to seek to live my life, you know, to please him. God uses people so many times in so many ways. But here's these two things that I've given you. Reach out, build up, keyword. Don't miss it. Balance. You need both. Because here's what happens. So many times you, 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 you're a person who just really cares about others. You're always reaching out. You're always reaching out. And that's a really good thing. But sometimes then you don't take the time that you need to be built up. And you need that too. The other side of that is, and this happens in churches a lot, um, could even happen here. Might even happen here a few times. Might be happening right now with some folks. Um, the, the whole build-up thing. 
You just enjoy being with people you meet at the church, and, and, and I'm, I hope that's the case, and you enjoy being with them, and, and their friendships are there, and, and then you end up spending all your time, all your disposable time, so to speak, with, with a bunch of folks from church, and, and just hanging out together and talking about Jesus, you know, not, not literally, but I mean, you know, just, just talking about life and, and all those issues. That's great. That's terrific. But listen, you need both. Don't forget there are still people who need, be, who need to be reached out to. So it, you need both of those in your life, and sometimes it's really hard to get that balance. And as a, a pastor over the years, I've seen that so many times. People have a tendency to come down one or the other. We need, the, we need to reach out. We need to build up. We need both. And may God give us the strength and the balance and the grace to know the difference on that. That's what we need. Great quote. I've got to give you this last thing. This is a C.S. Lewis quote. I've used it before. It's, uh, it's worth, I started to say it's worth the price of admission alone, but you didn't pay anything to get in here, so I don't know what that, that says. But this, is, this says it all to me because I just, it just says it all. C.S. Lewis, friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, like art, it has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that give value to survival. Now think about that. Arts, you know, I, I, I mean, some of you know, I love Broadway. Charlene and I, we love going to Broadway and it's the arts that are there. And, and, it just, and it's, just, it's just great. We enjoy it. And even Spider-Man, as long and boring as it was, the people flying all over the place and somebody getting impaled or whatever is going to happen next. You know, you, you, that didn't happen, but you never know. Um, we love that stuff. It's art. Could I live without that? Yeah. But, but, boy, does that bring something different, something more valuable to life. Friendship, and this is what Lewis is saying here, friendship is unnecessary like philosophy and like art. It has no survival value. Can you live without friends? Yeah, you can. I don't recommend it. Some people have tried. And that's really the essence of what Jesus is getting at here, is we need friends. Those who we reach out to, those who, we, who build up with us and us them. We need friends because can we live without that? Can we live on a desert island all by ourselves? Yeah, we can. But what value, I mean, what value to life? That's his point. That's the thing that, that, that really the, the Bible teaches here that to me is just uh, amazing. Friendship is unnecessary like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. May God help us to find that value in the relationships that we already have and in those that we can develop. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are... I'm humbled, really, by the, by the truth of what's here. I'm so thankful that you have given us such a, a clear message of what it means to... to be all in in our relationships, to be able to reach out, to be able to build up. I pray, God, that we would, we would treat those with a balance that, is, that can only come as God the Holy Spirit gives us that unique ability. We pray for that, we thank you for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.